I want to introduce our preacher today, our pastor, my good friend, uh, Brian Allered, and his wife, Mercy. Hi. And they have three children, Chloe, who is 11, and uh, Colin is nine, and Lauren is six. And um, Pastor Brian is the founder, pastor, uh, founding pastor of Passion Church in Albuquerque, and um, has an own fire church down there, spirit-filled man. I cannot wait to hear the word preached to him today. He is also our rep, New Mexico field rep for the Billy Graham Evangel Association. So he's really plugged in. He's on fire for the Lord. So let's give it up for Pastor Brian. Come on, if you love Jesus today, I want you to put your hands together, make a big shout of noise for the one who hung on the cross for you, the one who was not ashamed to die for you. Come on, make some noise this morning. Make some noise for Jesus. Come on, there is no other name given under heaven whereby men and women can be saved but the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. Now, I pastor a church called Passion Church, so we're a really rowdy bunch down there in Albuquerque, and so the louder you are, the faster and better I'll preach. The quieter you are, the longer and worse I'll preach. I have 40 pages of notes in my iPad. I can take you from Genesis to Revelation, and we'll be done tomorrow morning around 6 a.m., just in time for you to get to school tomorrow morning and get to work, all right? So come on, the louder you are, you can say preach... See, if I say something good, you can say, preach it, white chocolate. You can just say, holler at your boy. You can get a little vocal. It's okay to get excited in the house of God. I want to honor my good friend, Pastor Ron, Sebastian, Pastor Nina. Would you give it up? You have two of the best pastors in America. Would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? And let's give it up for Pastor Ron, Pastor Nina, their amazing children and grandchildren. Let's let them know how much we love them, how grateful we are for the shepherds that we have here in Santa Fe. There are literally this week thousands, more than 10,000 people praying for Pastor Ron. Because we sent it out all through the Billy Graham Network, which has tens of thousands of intercessors. We sent it out. Everybody at Billy Graham loves Pastor Ron. They blasted it out to all their prayer partners. So there are literally thousands of people. Come on. There is no way he doesn't get out of that hospital on fire for God, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, raising the dead, curing the lepers, and driving out demons. There is just no way that this church doesn't break forth. Amen. Give two people a high five as you grab your seats. I want to invite my wife, Mercy, to come at this time. What's that? They're taking Pastor Ron out of ICU right now. Pastor Nina just got a call. One more time. Give God a shout of praise. This is my uh, extremely better half. This is my wife, Mercy. We've been married for 18 years, we have three amazing, gorgeous, spirit-led, spirit-anointed children. They're the best-looking, the most anointed, the most intelligent children in all the world because they take after their mother. And, uh, but Mercy's completing. She'll be graduating in December with a doctorate degree in education from Regent University. And she said, baby, come Christmas time, you got to call me Dr. Mercy. And I said, I'll call you. I ain't calling you Dr. Mercy. 
I'll call you Dr. Hotness. I'll call you Dr. Babe. I'll call you Dr. Sweetie. But I ain't calling you Dr. Mercy, but uh, everyone else can. But I'll call you Dr. Babe. (laughs) Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. Come on, somebody. And so uh, she's my medicine woman. And so uh, she, uh, for many years, was an instructor at Central New Mexico Community College as our children's pastor at Passion Art and also our creative arts pastor, my best friend, and the very best Christ follower that I know. So would you welcome Mercy as she shares for a few minutes with you. Good morning. How are you? It's good to see everybody at the Light at Mission Viejo. I've been here several times during the week, and I've come into the sanctuary, and I've always wondered what Sunday morning is like. We're usually at Passion Church in Albuquerque, so we're not able to make it for your Sunday morning service. So it is a privilege to be here today and a privilege to be here with uh, Nina and uh, the whole Light and Mission Viejo family. Um, when we received the news of Ron being in the hospital, we were alarmed and, and we, we started praying. We got our church to pray. And like Brian said, we got the Billy Graham Association to pray as well. But uh, two other things happened that day. Um, we got another call that a pastor in Albuquerque had had a very, very serious fall. She broke her nose. She broke, I don't know, remember her hand. It was a very, very serious thing. She was in the hospital as well all day long, and uh, she is not yet back to work. And then my brother-in-law, on the same day, had a heart attack. So I received three very, very hard calls that day, and I went to prayer, and I said, what is going on? What, what, what's happening here? And I remember a, a day a few years ago in, two, in 1999, I was doing the transparencies. Do you remember those transparencies instead of the projector? You put them on the projector? Yeah? Okay, well, I did that, okay, for many, many years. And I was doing that, and it was December 31st, 1998, actually. And uh, I was doing that for worship, and I was into worship. And all of a sudden, I feel the presence of God come into the room. Have you ever felt that? Like today, did you feel that when he came into the room? Okay. Well, he came, and he stood right by me. And I could feel that he was right by me, and I was overwhelmed with his presence. And he's, I said, huh, you know, why is he here? I always ask that because God always comes for a specific purpose. He doesn't just show up to hang out, just to, you know, just to catch the breeze with you. She, he shows up for a specific purpose. And I said, Lord, why are you here and why are you beside me, not beside the other pastor or that person over there who's crying? You're beside me. And he said, he said these words. He said, I am your comforter. I am your comforter. And I started crying, and I said, oh. And I knew that it was a word for the next year of my life, that, that I was going to know the comforter in a way that I'd never known before. Well, um, a month after that, I got very, very ill, and I was ill for two years with an incurable disease. And uh, they couldn't diagnose it. They just said that it was a tropical disease, a bacteria that had lodged in my system for many, many years, and then it just woke up. It woke up one day when, um, when uh, Brian and I... Uh, were married just a few months after that. It just woke up and started acting like AIDS. You know, AIDS, it started, it wasn't AIDS, but it acted like AIDS, and it would like eat away at my immune system. So I was sick every day. Almost half a month I was in bed, and then the other half a month I was recovering. And I did that for two years. And I, we went to, the, to different clinics, and they said, there's nothing we can do. You know, her immune system is dying, and they told Brian, um, you know, you really, you have to move your wife to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, New York, so they can give her a good quality of life, because your, your wife won't last the year. She's going she's gonna to die. But in this whole process of me thinking I was dying, I knew the God of all comfort, 
But he didn't just come. He never came again like he did that day, like to come right by me and I could feel overwhelmed. I could feel his presence. But what he did is he sent comforters my way. And that's when I knew the meaning of church. I mean, I had been part of the church and I had been one to comfort. But I don't remember ever before that being in a place where I needed comfort, where I was completely dependent on someone else, this man right here, to dress me. He, he bathed me. He dressed me. He did everything for me for about a year and a half. And then people in the church would come and bring meals. People in the church would call and ask how I was doing. People all over the world would call and ask how I was doing so they could pray for me. And that's when I knew that the God of comfort was real. And so today I know that you're going through a very hard circumstance with your pastor being in the hospital. But when that happens, church is not on hold. Amen? Church is not on hold. You have a wonderful staff here that takes care of you. What happens when you hurt a part of your body? You hurt your pinky, and what happens? Your whole body rushes to help it, right? It's like you feel pain everywhere just when your pinky's hurt, and everything is compensating for the hurt that's in the pinky. Well, that's what happens. Your body's not on hold when it gets hurt. You don't just shut down when you hurt your pinky, right, or when you're hurt, you know, when you get a cut. Your body just rushes to help the other parts of the body that are hurt. And I want to encourage the Light at Mission Viejo Church is not on hold. Amen? Actually, you're going to experience something beautiful in this church. You're going to experience the God of all comfort. And the God of all comfort will come through you. Amen? To Pastor Nina and to everybody on the staff. But my guess is that in a church this large, there are people that are in a spiritual hospital too. My guess is that Ron is not the only one in a hospital. There's people that are bleeding internally. There's people that are hurting today. And it's our job as a church to find out who those people are and to give them comfort. And for those of you that are hurting, it's okay to receive comfort. It's okay to let the church be the church. Amen. You're about to enter into a very sweet time in your church. I know it's a difficult time, but it's a very sweet time. And it's, it's great news that, that Ron is out of the hospital and doing much better. And we believe for complete healing for him. But I, I also believe that when something happens to the pastoral family, it's also a sign to the church of, of good things that are coming to you. So I'm encouraged for you. Know that Passion Church prays for you. And I know that I'll be seeing the ladies this fall at the retreat. I'm excited for that. Thank you so much for allowing us to come, and I look forward to getting to know you better. Thank you. Well, you already heard from the best preacher in the Allard family. I'm your consolation prize. And uh, so, all right, here we go. See, uh, I don't believe in just writing sermons. I believe in getting words from God, messages from God, prophetic insights from God. And, and God gave me a word for you, and I hope that you receive it with passion and with faith today. See, the Bible says if you receive the word but you don't mix it with faith, it doesn't profit you. Amen? So we need to receive the word of God today with faith. We need to believe and receive and declare what God says. And so the word that God gave me for you is that he's taking you to a whole nother level. I said he's taking you to a whole nother level of influence, of impact, of authority, of transformation, of prosperity, of healing, of deliverance, of growth, of transformation in this whole city. If you believe that and you receive that, give God a mighty shout of praise. Amen. 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 Touch your neighbor and say we're going to a whole nother level. Come on, touch somebody else. Say, we're going to a whole nother level. Come on, you guys got to work with me. We're going to a whole nother level. All right, you guys are loosening up. 
We'll get them there by the end, all right? And so, but here's what they don't tell you about a new level, is that new levels bring new devils. Watch out. New levels bring new devils. What they don't tell you about a new level is that the challenges are greater, the giants are bigger, the opposition is stronger, but also the glory of God is bigger. Come on. The power of God is stronger. The Bible says greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. So you're going to a new level. But in that new level, there are new devils, there are new challenges, but there's also new territory to conquer for Christ. There's more souls to save. There's more disciples to make. There's more sick people to heal. There's more marriages to restore. There's more children to disciple. Can I get an amen? All right, so you guys are going to a new level. And you can't go to a new level, so you can't operate at a level five with a level four anointing. Let me say that again. You can't function at a level five with a level four anointing. It won't work. What we need is the anointing of God, the, the power of God, the presence of God to do his work. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But you can't let work at a level five with a level four anointing. Are you tracking with me today? Nod your head if you're tracking with me. Are you catching what I'm throwing? All right. So to go into that new level, we need a fresh anointing. Touch your neighbor and say, we need a fresh anointing. To go to a new level, we need a fresh anointing. But watch this. To, to get a fresh anointing, you first need a deeper cleansing. Let me say that again. If you want a fresh anointing on your life, you first need a deeper cleansing. Say it with me. It's on the screens, all right? Say it with me. If you want a fresh anointing, let's try that again. Try it again. If you want a fresh anointing, you first need a deeper cleansing. Touch your neighbor and say, if you want a fresh anointing, you first need a deeper cleansing. Come on, my main man. There you go. If you want a fresh anointing, you first need a deeper cleansing. Stand to your feet this morning. We're going to read in Exodus chapter 29. See, I, I got to stand up for the whole time, so I don't mind asking you to stand up for a couple minutes when I read the Bible. When it comes to fashion, I'm new school. When it comes to the Bible, I'm old school. When you go into a courtroom, you stand. When the judge walks in, you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. You stand for the National Anthem. So let's stand and honor the Word of God today. So we're going to park this morning in Exodus chapter 29, verse 1 through 7. This is what you're to do to consecrate them. Everybody say consecrate. So they may serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two rams without defect and from fine wheat flour without yeast, make bread and cakes mixed with oil and wafers spread with oil. Verse 3, put them in a basket, present them in it along with the bull and the two rams. Verse 4, then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Everybody say that with me. It's very important. Everybody say wash them with water. Come on one more time. Say wash them with water. Alavalos con agua. Amen. Verse 5. Some half Hispanic, you didn't know that. My mom's German. Don't hold that against me. But some half Hispanic, half German. You can imagine what kind of anger issues I got to deal with. Come on, somebody. It's only the grace of God that I'm functioning partly, okay? Uh, so that was for free. But verse 5, uh, take the garments and dress Aaron with the tunic, the robe with the ephod, the ephod itself, and the breastpiece. Fasten the ephod on him by skillfully woven waistband. Put the turban on his head. Attach the sacred diadem to the turban. Verse 7, take the anointing oil and anoint him by pouring it on his head. Everybody say anoint him with the anointing oil. 
I want you to give three people a high five as you grab your seats and say, you look marvelous. All right? Awesome. We have a saying at our church that, that if it ain't fun, it ain't church. Come on, how many having fun in God's house today? And what that means is that engaging, spirit-anointed, empowering environments where you're learning the Bible are a lot better than boring environments where you're being bored with somebody who's monotone and just putting you to sleep. Anybody been in that kind of church? Thank God that you're not in that kind of church. Come on, give God an amen right there. You're in a church that's alive today. Amen, amen. And so God says, I want to consecrate them. Everybody say consecrate. Okay, so consecration means to set something apart. And so Leviticus 27 is is the chapter of of devoted things of consecration. And so you could take anything. You could take a fork, a spoon, a, a knife, a plate, a cup, and you could take it to the priest and you could give it to him. And you could anoint it with oil, wash it, anoint it, and set it apart to God. And the Bible says that any devoted thing that you devote to the Lord becomes most holy to him. And it says in Leviticus 27 that it, it cannot redeem, be redeemed for any other purpose. So if I take off my left shoe and I anoint it and I give it to God, I can never wear it again. I can't use it to walk. I can't use it to throw it at people. I can't use it to stomp on cucarachas. I cannot use that shoe anymore because I've given it to God and I can never take it back. Are you tracking with me today? So he says, I, I want to consecrate them. But we can go back to verse 1. He says, I want to consecrate them so they can minister to me as priests. See, so your, your first ministry is to God. Minister to me. So out of your ministry to me, you can minister to people. Our first and most important ministry is to God. And your public ministry to people should be an overflow of your private ministry to God. Let me say that again. Your public ministry to people should be an overflow of your private ministry to God. Can I get an amen? All right, so I want them to minister to me, but they first got to be consecrated. Okay, the word consecrate, holy, means to set apart. To set apart for God's exclusive use. See, God wants you to be consecrated to him. In American church, we have a big problem. And the problem is this, just come, wave your hand, do something, sign a little piece of paper, and you're in the kingdom. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says you got to believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only true God. He's the only way to heaven. He's the Savior. you got to confess your sins, and you got to repent of your sins. And you got to consecrate yourself to him. Jesus said in Luke 9, if you want to be my disciple, you got to give up everything. You got to give up everything. You got to die to yourself daily, and then you can come follow me. So I want to talk to you about full-hearted, full devotion, full consecration to Christ today. And my guess is in a room this size, many of us are struggling being fully consecrated, fully devoted to God. We might even pay our tithes. We might serve on a ministry team. We might come to church two, three, four times a month. We might even do a Joyce Meyer Bible study, praise God, because that that guy gets you extra brownie points with God. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, I can't prove from the Bible, but I'm pretty sure if you watch Joyce Meyer, you're going to be like up there with Moses. I'm pretty sure. Just, Just kidding. But 
or Christine Kane. But, uh, but we got to be fully devoted to God, fully consecrated. So he says, I want to take these people, I want, I want to consecrate them. I want to set them apart. D.L. Moody said this, his, his life saying was this, the world is yet to see what God can do through a man who is fully consecrated, fully devoted to him. And he said, with God's help, I aim to be that man. The world is yet to see. Santa Fe is yet to see what God could do through a man, through a woman, through a teenager, through a young adult, through a child, through a church that is fully devoted, fully consecrated to him. Can I get an amen? Do you want to be that church? Do you want to be that man? Do you want to be that woman that is fully devoted to him? So here's what he said if they want to be consecrated. So here's what he said. Get a bull, sacrifice it for me. So before, so he says, call Aaron and his sons. Everybody remember who Aaron is? He's Moses' brother, right? Younger brother or older brother? Older brother. You guys are Bible scholars. Awesome. So he was Moses' older brother. And God says, call him to the the front door of the church, right? So as you guys walked in, bring him to the front door, the entrance of the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was the tabernacle, was the portable church that they had. It was a big tent and they would carry around in the wilderness, right, for 40 years. Bring them to the front. So Moses is here. They're out there at the front door. And he says, bring them there. Before they can get in to minister, you need to kill a bull. An innocent bull needs to lose its life. And see, it was a powerful reminder to Aaron, to his sons, that the only basis you have for ministry, for serving God, is the blood of Jesus. It's not by any works of righteousness, any of your own talent, any of your own giftings. It's the blood of Jesus. See, the the blood of the innocent was shed for the guilty. Don't ever forget that. See, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.13 that we have access we have access to God the Father because of the blood, say it with me, the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19 says we can come in to the Holy of Holies with confidence. Why? Where do we get confidence from? Because of the blood of Jesus. So before they can get in, first blood has to be shed. Whenever there's sin present, blood has to be shed. The innocent must give their lives for the guilty. That's what Jesus did for you. He was innocent, but his blood was shed for the guilty. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But the innocent came for the guilty. So first, they make the animal sacrifice, they shed the blood. The second thing that has to happen is that Moses has to inspect his big brother. Not just his brother, his big brother. How many of you were the little brother or the little sister in your family? I have an older brother. I was a basketball player. He was a football player. He was big and tough. I was small and quick and agile. Come on, somebody. And my brother had a policy in our house. Only, only I can beat up Brian. Nobody else can beat up Brian, but I can beat up Brian. So if anybody at school picked on me, he would go beat them up. And then he would come home and beat me up, right? So it's like, ain't nobody going to beat you up except your big brother. Great guy. Love my brother, John. He's now a pastor in Missouri, but that's a whole other story. That's another Sunday. That's the sequel, all right? But my brother had this policy that he would just, I mean, it was daily, man, just daily beatings in my brother's hands. And, and I was the annoying little brother, just annoying, but he would be. So, so imagine Moses is here, and he has to inspect his big brother and his nephews. They get there to go in the tabernacle like they had any other day, and Moses stands there and says, you're not getting in. 
And Aaron's like, uh, just get out of the way, little brother. And he goes, no, you got to strip. What? <laughs> Come on, strip right now. I got to inspect you, and then I'm going to wash you with water. You got to be clean before you can get into the presence of God. I got to wash you with water. How do you think Aaron felt about that? Who do you think you are? You're not perfect. Hey, don't you think we all forgot that you murdered that Egyptian and buried him in the sand, that you were a fugitive of the law for 40 years? Who do you think you are? But see, if you want to succeed in God's kingdom, you got to submit to a human leader that is flawed and imperfect. And if you can't learn to submit to another human being that is imperfect and flawed, you will never grow in Christ because you will never find a perfect leader. But you got to learn how to submit your life. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 17, make it easy for your leaders to lead you. Don't make it difficult, but obey them and honor them because they got to give an account of your lives before God. You have shepherds that are leading you, guiding you. And if you're going to grow here, you got to learn to submit. In a biblical way, learn to submit and open your life for inspection and accountability. Amen? The Bible says in James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your sins to one another so you'll be healed. As you are accountable, as you're broken, as you're transparent, as you're vulnerable and open to other people and you open up your life to a pastor, to a small group leader, to a men's leader, to a women's pastor, God begins to heal your life and you begin to overcome those bondages and those addictions and those shameful things in your life, but you've got to be accountable. So Moses says, look, i got to wash you with water. And then I can anoint you with oil. So what came first? The washing with water before the anointing. Aaron's been serving Jehovah for many years now. He's not a new believer. But God wanted to impart to him and to his sons a fresh anointing, a new anointing. Before they could get the fresh anointing, they had to have a deeper cleansing a deeper inspection of your life. So our main point today is this. If you want a fresh anointing, say it with me. If you want a fresh anointing, you first need a deeper cleansing. So what's the water? In the Bible, what is the water a symbol of? The Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and verse 26, that I will wash my bride, my church, with the washing of water, with what? With the Word. The Word of God is water. Please don't raise your hands. How many of you take showers daily? Don't, please don't raise your hand. We don't want to embarrass anyone today. How many of you have kids that do not like to take showers? Anybody besides me have kids that, you know what I mean, they can go three weeks without taking a shower. You know what I'm saying? Like, like how long since you... Dear God, you know what I mean? Like, your son takes off his shoes. You're like, what is growing on your feet? Like, oh my, is that a plant? Is that, what is that? You know what I mean? And so, but we got to wash ourselves every day with the Word of God. Because we're in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. And the world gets us dirty. We're around dirty things and impure things and impure situations. And and it rubs off on us. So daily, we need to get in the Word of God and let the Word of God wash us. Can I get an amen? A loud amen would have been good right there, so I'm going to give you one more chance to redeem yourselves. Can I get a good amen? Come on, if you're going to give God an amen, give him a good one. All right. So the water is the Word of God. So before we can get more anointing, we got to be washed. Today is your opportunity 
to submit your life, your heart, to the washing of God's word. Paul continues in Ephesians 5, 27, and he says that because I, I, want, I want to wash my church because I want to present her to myself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish that she would be holy. 1 Peter 1, verse 15 and 16, Peter says, the Lord says through Peter, Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Holiness is not an option. It's a command. Let me say that again. Holiness is not an option. It's a command. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. We cannot continue to serve a holy God, our leftovers, and expect him to be happy. God is a holy God. And yes, he's a God of love and grace and mercy. And he gives us chance after chance after chance. But he is a holy God and he's not playing games. And he says, be holy. Not a holiness that is man-based. It's not a human effort. You can't make yourself holy. It's a grace-based holiness. It's the grace of God inside your heart that is producing the fruit of the Spirit. That's holiness. Holiness is not what you wear or any of that kind of stuff. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Is the love of God growing in your heart? Are you treating your wife, your husband, your children with love, with honor? Is there joy, evidence of the joy of the Spirit in your life? Is there peace in your life? Are you a peacemaker? Are you gentle? Are you faithful? Do you have self-control in your life? So holiness is the work of the Spirit inside your heart. But it is a command. It is a command. And God expects holiness of his church. And he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle that's holy. So what do we need to be washed of? What do we need to be washed of? What is this deep cleansing that we need, all right? Go in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. First John 2 and verse 16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. All right? So say these three things with me. Everybody say, the lust of the flesh. Come on, number two, say the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Right, let's try that again. The lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. See, you guys are awful quiet. I can draw this out. I haven't even looked at my notes yet. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know how long I might go. All right, say it again. Say, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three main sins, three main challenges that as Christians we face. There's three, thing that, three things historically that have brought down men and women. Number one is sex. Sex scandal. Brings down men and women all the time. Political leaders, business leaders, church leaders. All of you heard of this, uh, what's the name of the website? The Hacking Ashley, Ashley Madison. Over 30, how many? 30,000 names? I don't know. We're hacked. But Ed Stetzer is a researcher for Lifeway. He's a Baptist. And so he wrote an article this week for Christianity Today and said that today, so think about this. Today, over 400 pastors, elders, and leaders in America had to resign from their churches because their names were on Ashley Madison. They got hacked, and they got revealed for having adulterous affairs. So today in America, 400 pastors, associate pastors, worship pastors, youth pastors, elders are resigning from their churches because 
they got exposed from a hack to website. The lust of the flesh. Three things that bring people down. Number one is sex. Number two is money. That's the lust of the eyes, greed, the love of money, the love, the greed of possession, of wanting what somebody else has. Somebody else in your neighborhood gets a BMW, now all of a sudden you want a BMW, right? Uh, sorry, sorry, you want a Lexus. Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, Pastor. Sorry, Pastor Ralph. Uh, BMW is not that good. If you're going to get a good car, get a Lexus. Amen. Amen. So I hope I get some commission on that, brother. Lexus of Santa Fe, man. You better bless me. All right. Um, but but we, we have the lust of the eyes. See, the Bible says that covetousness is idolatry, right? Why? Because we see what somebody else has, and we want it so bad that it becomes an idol in our lives. They have a nice house. They have a nice car. They have a nice wife, a nice family, a nice job, and we want so bad. Now, this happens in the church. There's ministry idolatry, ministry covetousness. You can admire somebody's anointing so much that you begin to covet it, and you want it so bad, and you're kind of hoping they fall so you can get their anointing. Say, God, why are they so anointed? Why are they getting so many opportunities? I'm just, I pray more than they do. Right? I mean, so this happens not just in the world, but it happens in church. Pastor Benji gets up, and he's a worship leader, and he's a preacher, and a youth pastor, and like an associate pastor, and he's like a rock star leader at the age of 26. Everybody love Pastor Benji? Some of you guys are thinking, man, I've been here longer than Benji. I've been at this church since before Benji was born, man. I know the Bible better than Benji. I'm better looking than Benji. I doubt that, but, but you might think that, you know. I'm more anointed than Benji. I'm wiser than Benji. Why is Benji getting promoted? And you would never say that, but probably some people have thought that. They're not here anymore, but, you know, some, some ex-members thought that, you know what I mean? And, but there's so much covetous. So, so the lust of the flesh and the, the lust of the eyes. Got to be careful. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then the pride of life. So sex, money, and power. Power, pride, these are the things that bring men and women of God down. The pride of life. So first of all, let's talk about the lust of the flesh. And there's some younger ones here today, so I'll try and keep it PG. I'm going to try. No guarantees, but I'm going to try, all right? The lust of the flesh. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. says, this is God's will for you. That you would keep your body sanctified and pure from sexual immorality. That every man and every woman would know how to control their body in honor. And walk in an honorable way, in a sexual way that's honorable to God in the marriage bed. And that he says that anybody who disobeys this commandment, I've told you before, will suffer the punishment of God. Who's he writing to? Christians. And he's telling Christians, don't get caught up in lust, in sexual morality. Don't get caught up in it because it will bring the judgment of God on you. Oh, but I'm saved. I'm under grace. Even more so, God expects more out of you because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Oh, but you don't know, Pastor, man, before I got saved, man, I was a player. Man, I was in the world. You don't know how hard it is. If you're saved, if you're really saved, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Guess what the first part of his name is? Holy. (laughs) He's called the spirit of holiness. He can make you holy. He can help you overcome all those carnal desires. So in Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says, let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. 
Not even a hint. Not a pinch. I love my grandma Bobby. Man, she used to pinch us. Just a little pinch, man. I mean, we were six years old. If we started, if we started to just get distracted in church, man, right behind us, pinch. Ah! Grandma! She's quiet! You pinched me! How am I supposed to be quiet? Just a little pinch. The word hint there means a little pinch, a grain of salt. If you ask, you know, why I'm a pastor, so I ask men in our church, you know, how you doing? How you doing, Bob? How you doing? My good, good pastor. Blast coming in and going out. All right, awesome. That was a great Christianese response. Thank you. How, how's your marriage going? Oh, we're doing good, man. Me and the wife, solid. Okay, man. How are you doing with purity issues? Good, brother. We have sex three times a week, whether we need it or not. Uh, okay. TMI, TMI. Didn't want to know that, but okay. But how are you doing with purity? Oh, good. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, better than most guys. Like, right? Like, so, so to get into heaven, we just got to be better than the devil, right? Just, yeah, I'm better than most guys. I mean, I've never cheated on my wife. Okay. Well, that's good, I guess. But what did Jesus say in Matthew 5? If you look at a woman lustfully and in your mind and in your heart, you see them in a sexual way and that person is not your spouse. You've already committed adultery in your mind and in your heart. So now based on Jesus' definition of purity, how are you doing? Oh, I don't know, Pastor. I guess not that good, you know? Well, I think we should pray. Yeah, let's pray, you know? And let me get out of here, you know? Let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. And yet today, it's 50% of Christians view pornography on a weekly basis. Under 30, 80% of Christians are sexually active outside of marriage. We have a problem. We have a big problem. You say, well, you know what? I'm married. I'm doing good. Okay, but is there sexual baggage from your past that you need to cut today? You need to cut off those memories of every other partner. Cut off that sexual baggage, abuse. Maybe you're in an abusive relationship. Now you're married. You're in a Christian marriage. But you still can't be free because of stuff that happened in the past. God wants to set you free today. The Bible says in Galatians 5.1 that Christ came to set you free. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Amen? I see some really uncomfortable faces. We'll move on to the second one. Now, on the second one, you guys can all shout and holler and amen. All right. The lust of the eyes. Yeah, preach it, Pastor. Preach against greed. Come on. Preach against the rich people. Come on, you know. Uh, I know poor people that are just as greedy as some rich people. All right, yeah, man, about what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you have, all right? So the lust of the eyes, covetousness. Ask yourself, what are you living for? What are you living for? You're living for a paycheck so you can buy a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger TV screen or a smaller phone or an iPad or whatever? How do we spend our money? Do we honor God with the first 10% of all our increase? If you don't, you have a money problem. If you're not honoring God with the first 10%, you have a greed problem in your life. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. Don't shoot the messenger. That's what the Word says. The covetousness, the lust of the eyes, wanting things, desiring things that, that other people have. 
We got to say, God, you know what? I'm not in it for the blessings. I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it for any of those things. God, I'm just seeking you for you. The Bible says, if you want to be my follower, give up everything. See, my wife and I don't believe in tithing. We believe that 100%. God doesn't own 10% of what we have. He owns 100%. We believe in stewardship. We're stewards of the 100% that God gave us. Right after Christmas, how many get to January and you're like flat broke? Anybody besides me? All right, thank you. A few honest people. We'll we'll talk about lying later. We'll, we'll We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Years ago, there was a study called uh, The Day Americans Told the Truth. And in that study, they found that 94% of Americans lie on a daily basis. The other 6% lied about lying on a daily basis. So we'll, we'll get to lying later. But, but covetousness, wanting, greed, possessions, all these things, we got to be careful. Why are we doing what we're doing? All right? Number three, the pride of life. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Jesus said, look, if you, if you fall down on the rock, you humble yourself and you fall on the rock, you'll be broken. If you don't fall on the rock, what's going to happen? The boulder's going to fall on you and you're going to be crushed. So make a daily choice to humble yourself. Humility is a daily choice, a moment-by-moment choice to humble yourself. We were on vacation a couple weeks ago in Los Angeles, San Diego, and uh, having a great time. And my son did something uh, inappropriate. <laughs> Said something inappropriate. And don't be all looking at me with judgmental faces. You know, your kids. <laughs> Some of you cussed on the way to church. Don't be looking at me like that. All right. My son said we were on this ride at SeaWorld and I'm with another pastor and his kids and my kids. And, you know, it's like you got to be careful with other pastors because you're all like, oh, my kids are anointed. My kids are more anointed. You know what I mean? Like my kids memorized five verses. My kids memorized the whole Bible last week. You know, so it's like we're kind of like one up in, you know what I mean? So I'm with another pastor. We're the same age. And we planted our church a couple years before him. And so, you know, it's like you, you want to look good. You want to show your buddy that, hey, man, we're raising our kids in a godly way. And my son out of nowhere right the, the, his mother's side of the family came out and he just lets it out that pinata side of the family just lets it out I'm like what and his my pastor but his daughter's like what you know I'm like what you've never ever said that before where did that come from and he's like I don't know I'm like oh my gosh you know what I mean and so you know right there I tried to act real calm and cool well son you know what just repent and God forgives you and we play blessing over you. How many know we got to the minivan? <laughs> we weren't talking about grace and mercy. Talking about the fear of God. Right? We're the, the mighty day of God's judgment and wrath and vengeance is upon us right now. And got in the car and yelled at him and, and uh, he got all hurt and we're driving and God says, hey, you need to apologize to your son. You, you were over the top. You didn't have to embarrass him like that. Now, well, God, he said something stupid. So did you. <laughs> okay. And how many know what I was battling right there, why I did not want to pop? Well, what am I battling? Pride. Well, he did something wrong. He, what, as parents, what's the problem? It's pride. He embarrassed me in front of one of my peers. He embarrassed me in front of another pastor. 
Because now this pastor's thinking, man, what kind of dad are you, man? Your kids are talking like you, right? You know how people are. And I was embarrassed, and what happens? When you're embarrassed, what gets hurt? Your pride. My pride was, but, but we try and justify, well, that's not godly. I'm under, Bible says to train up a child the way he will go. And we justify and we overlook our pride. And yet it was wrong. But the bigger issue that God wanted to get at was my pride. Pride is the original sin. So think about this. God created heaven. He created all the angels and the archangels, and it was a perfect world. There was no sin. The angels were perfect. It was a perfect world. It was a sinless world. And the Bible says that Lucifer, who later became the devil, was the most beautiful angel. And he was the chief of the three archangels. What does that mean? They were just the three top dudes, okay? They were just the baddest, biggest, most awesome angels. That's all that means. What's an archangel, you know? Just the other top three angels. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer was the worship leader of heaven. And Jensen Franklin uh, said this years ago, he has a sermon called, if the devil's going to get into your church, it's going to come in through the worship department. I know that's not true here, but in other churches, you'd be amazed what can happen. <laughs> right? Pastor Benji, I know that here, you never had to deal with any egos. You never had to manage any egos. But in other churches, you'd be surprised, brother, what we have to deal with at Passion Church. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, one guitarist didn't get his solo. And so I'm like, oh, my God. We've got to have a five-hour counseling session because you didn't get to play a guitar solo. Give me a break. Man, let's just go back to playing CDs like we used to do. I'm just like, come on. I don't want to deal with this stuff. All right. Uh, so, so, so Lucifer's in heaven, and there's a lake in heaven, and we don't know how or when it happened. But he was on his way to the temple in heaven to lead worship. And he stopped for a second to get some water, and as he brought the water to his mouth, he looked down, and he's like, dang, Lucifer, you're pretty good looking, man. What? <laughs> he's, he's flapping the wings. Man, those are pretty nice, man. They're way bigger than Gabriel's. You know what I'm saying? So he's, he's checking out his wings, and he's all, man, I could do some damage with these bad boys, you know. Man, Jesus hooked me up, man. So he's looking in. He's like, man, I'm, I'm pretty good looking. I'm, come to think about it, I'm a pretty good singer. Come to think about it, what does Jesus do around here? He's always just sitting on his throne. We're all down there bowing before him, worshiping him, singing. What does he ever do around here? I never seen Jesus with a broom. I never seen Jesus stay late after church and do tear down and set up. And what does he do all day? Just sitting in that throne, being worshipped. I'm a better singer than Jesus. And if he'd give me a chance, I bet I'd be a better preacher too. And pride comes in his heart. So I, I'm ab-libbing a little bit here, but you go to Isaiah 14. This is in the Word. Isaiah 14, 12, 13, and 14. It says, O morning star. He was called the morning star. And it's called the seven I wills of Lucifer. And he said, I will be like God. I will ascend to the holy place. I will be like God. And Lucifer just pride crept into his heart in a perfect world where there was no sin, no pride, no ego, no nothing. A perfect, sinless angel, pride crept in. And in Isaiah 14, he says, I will be God. I want to be God. And that's when he led his rebellion against God. we got to be careful with pride. Moment by moment, day by day. 
Pride will creep in at the least expected moments. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. So there's three main things we got to watch out for. 1 John 2, 16. Same with me. The lust of the flesh. So sexual morality. Number two, the lust of the eyes. That's greed, covetousness. And number three, the pride of life. Pride and power and fame and glory. See, the Bible says that God will share everything with you. And Peter says that we're partakers of the divine nature. God lets us partake of his divinity. But the Bible says there's one thing that God won't share. How many know what it is? His glory. And Isaiah says there's one thing God won't share. He won't share his glory. God wants all the glory. We've got to be careful that we're doing things, even good things. Ministry at the church, that we're not doing it for a pat on the back. That we're not doing it for our own personal glory, but we're doing it for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? The louder you get, the faster I'll preach, okay? All right. All right, so the first part is this deeper cleansing that we need. And say with me the main point again. If you want a fresh anointing, you first need a deeper cleansing. All right. Now let's talk about the anointing. Now it's the good part, right? It's the anointing that we want. We got to submit to the cleansing of God so we can get the anointing. I've been a pastor for 21 years. I know I don't look like it, but I started pastoring when I was 19 years old in upstate New York. Became an associate pastor at 19. It's my 22nd years of pastor, and I've heard in that time I've been to hundreds of conferences, read thousands of books, and I've heard hundreds of definitions of the anointing, and I think at least two of them were actually biblical. There's some, some weird definitions, right, Benji, of the anointing out there, man. Just like, what are they talking about, man? So here, here's what the anointing is, okay? If you want to know the biblical definition of the anointing, Acts 10, 38. All right, write that down. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went around doing good for people. Healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. All right, you ready for the definition of the anointing? The anointing is God's power, presence, and power to do his work. Say that with me. The anointing is the presence and power of God to do his work. You might want to write that down. The anointing is the presence and the power of God to do his work. Say it again. The anointing is the presence and the power of God to do his work. So we want a fresh anointing. King David said in Psalm 92 and verse 10, you've anointed my head with fresh oil. How many want a fresh anointing on your life today? Man, wasn't that some anointed worship? Man, you guys have some of the best worship in America. You guys are blessed, man. You have a worship team that is spirit-led, spirit-empowered. It's not a show, but they're really bringing and packing the juice. Come on, give it up for your worship team today, man. That was, that was beautiful. I'd come back again just to be here for worship. I don't need to preach. I'd just come here for the worship. And so saying that, I want to invite the worship team to come. Um, at this time, we're almost done. We want a fresh anointing on our lives. David said, you've anointed my head with fresh oil. But if we want that fresh empowering of God, that fresh anointing in our lives, we first need to submit to a deeper cleansing. How many know when you have the anointing of God in your life, everything is easier? How many have ever done something you were not anointed to do? How'd that work out? Not, not very good. 
I mean, I am not anointed to teach kids church. That is not my gift, but I've done it many times. Started out in kids ministry, and I'm like, dang, man, I'm no good, man, you know. I remember the one time they called me and said, hey, you know what, our, our children's pastor's sick, can you teach? When? Uh, in 20 minutes. So I'm like, what am I going to teach on, you know? So I'm like, man, let's do Noah. Noah's always a winner, man. You can't go wrong with Noah. So I prepared a little lesson real quick and had some object lessons. I went in there, and there's like 40 kids in there, and so I'm teaching on Noah, and they're like, we did this three weeks ago. Boo! I'm like, oh, man, rough crowd, rough crowd, you know? And I had one of my friends help me. He's like, so I'm like, uh, okay, how about Father Abraham? And they're like, had many sons? I'm like, oh, man, they know that one too. Like, uh, there was a little shepherd boy named David. I'm like, oh, man. There was a little boy, and he had a sack lunch with some fish. He had a fish sandwich. They're like, yeah, yeah, we know. Jesus took it and fed 5,000 people. I'm like, let's turn your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. I'm sure they haven't read Ezekiel 14 before. Let's go talk about Gog and Magog for a little bit. You know, you can get Bible scholars, you know what I mean? So I'm like, man, this is just terrible, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, my, get me out of here. But my wife gets in front of kids. They're like in heaven. She's like the Joyce Meyer of kids, man. She's like, kids are like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I could have said the same thing. They throw tomatoes at me. My wife says, and they're like, oh, you're amazing. I'm like, that, that's the anointing. When you're under the anointing, everything is easier. When the anointing is present, sick bodies get healed. When the anointing is present, addictions you've been struggling with for 20 years break in the presence of God. Can I get an amen? In the anointing of God, a marriage that is fighting like cats and dogs. Oh, yeah, when you got in, you started holding hands. <laughs> but on the way to church, there was some fighting words in the car. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. I got a few honest amens in here. All right. But in the anointing, a marriage that is so divided, God can just heal that marriage. Families, children, and parents that are divided, when the anointing comes, they get restored. See, we want a new anointing. We want a greater anointing in our lives. But first, we got to submit to a deeper cleansing. Jesus said in John 13, it says that, remember Jesus, they're going to have to celebrate the Passover together. Remember that? So he told the disciples, go prepare the upper room and prepare the Passover meal. And they came and he sat down and Jesus got the basin of water and the towel, the towel and the basin of water. And he said, I'm going to wash you. And he gets to Peter and Peter says, you can't wash me. You're, this is so much beneath you. You're, you're my Lord. You're my King. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said in John 13, 8, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. John 13, 8, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Stand to your feet. Unless I wash you, say it with me, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So today God wants to wash us with the washing of his word, of his presence, because he wants to release a greater anointing, a, a miracle working anointing, a delivering power anointing on your life to be influenced in the business world, to be God's change agents in the business world, out there in the marketplace, to be changing the world like, like my buddy Ralph is at Lexus. He's a light there. I go in there. We have a pastor's meeting at Lexus, and everybody there, nobody's in doubt, is Ralph a Christ follower. Everybody there knows. Oh, you're here for Ralph. I come in with the Bible, let me get Ralph. Because they know 
Okay, that guy's preaching. God wants to use you in your families as, as mothers, as fathers, as parents, as grandparents, as, as business leaders, as teachers, as principals. Release an anointing on you. The anointing isn't for Sundays. It's for Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and for PE and for PTA and for soccer club and football practice. It's for every single day of your lives. He wants to release a great anointing on you today. But first, we need a deeper cleansing. Jesus said, I'm going to close with this verse. I promise. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 30, there in the upper room, he said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. What do you mean, Jesus? What does that mean? The prince of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. We're reading that in Bible college going, what does that mean? The devil had nothing in you. Well, of course, the devil had nothing in you. That doesn't make any sense. Watch this. See, sin is like a magnet. And if there's something in you, if there's greed in you, you're going to respond. If there's lust in you, and a hot girl or hot man walks by, if there's lust in you, that like a magnet, it's going to pull you. Jesus said, look, the prince of this world, the devil's coming. There's nothing in me, watch this, that will respond to him. There's nothing in me that is attracted to what he's offering. Because Jesus was human. Yes, he was, as God he could not sin, as man he could sin. And the Bible says he was tested and tempted in all points as we are, yet he never sinned. He said, the the devil's coming, but there's nothing in me that's going to respond to what he's offering. If you would be honest today, would you say, are there, is there anything in your life that would respond to the temptation of the devil? Is there any lust? Is there any pride? Is there any anger? Is there any jealousy? Is there any insecurity? Is there any fear that would respond? Is there any hatred? Is there any bitterness that would respond to the temptation of the enemy? So here's what I want to do, church. If you want a fresh anointing this morning and you say, God, I'm ready to open my heart to a deeper cleansing, I want you to get out of your seats and just make your way to the front. If you don't, that's okay. We never try and pressure anybody. If you're new today and you're going, what is this guy talking about? And you don't feel comfortable, no worries, no stress. We're not here to guilt anybody. We're not here to to pressure anyone. But if you say, you know what, Brian, I want a fresh anointing on my life. I want a fresh touch of God in my life. And I want God to do a deeper work of cleansing, of consecration, of transformation inside my heart. That the things that have plagued me, those secret sins that have plagued me, those memories that have tormented me. Maybe when you were young, you had an abortion. And you've never told anybody at church because you're ashamed. Shame, watch this, shame is what the devil puts on sin to keep it in darkness. This is a community of grace. If you had an abortion, 
today there's forgiveness there's no shame you just got to say Lord forgive me I didn't know I made a mistake and the forgiveness of God is is going to wash you and make you clean one of my spiritual daughters her and husband are pastors when she was young she got pregnant at 14 and she went and had an abortion and it tormented her for years she didn't tell anybody so as an, later on as an adult with three other kids now and a marriage and she's in Bible college and she's becoming a pastor and she asked Mercy and I, can I come over for dinner? She says, you know, I, I had an abortion when I was younger and I've never told anybody. And I try and be free. I try and worship and I, I try and study the Bible, but it's just the devil torments my mind that you're not good enough, that you're a phony, that if anybody found out, we said nothing could be further from the truth God loves you he shed his blood yes abortion is wrong but so is pride so is self-righteousness come on so is legalism come on and the blood of Jesus wants to wash you and make you clean and that day that day she found freedom in Christ my God I feel such a strong anointing in this place God is about to release watch this in just a moment there's a heavy anointing about to fall on you but first let's do business with God I'm gonna ask the worship team if they could lead for just a couple minutes and then I'm gonna lead you in a prayer I want you to lift up your hands to heaven feel free to close your eyes kneel stand whatever you want to do David said in Psalm 139 23 search my heart oh God and see if there be any wicked way in me search my heart as we worship, I want you to say, God, search my heart, search my mind, search my soul. See if there be any wicked, offensive way in me. Cleanse me and wash me with your word. Jesus has the solution. He has the answer to every problem. He loves you just as you are. And he's here today with forgiveness. He's here today with mercy. He's here today with grace. He's here today with transformation. But God can't forgive what you won't confess. Let me say that again. God can't forgive what you won't confess. So as we worship, just release it to heaven right now. Things I 
Come on, put your hands together. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, your church. My God. I'm going to ask my wife, Mercy, to lead you in a prayer of fresh consecration, of deeper cleansing, of being fully devoted to Jesus Christ, of taking up your cross and dying daily to the world, dying to the flesh, dying to pride, dying to immorality, dying to anger, dying to addictions, and following Jesus with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then I'm going to pray that God will release a fresh anointing on every member here today, every visitor here today, those who couldn't be here today. We're praying for the community of the Light at Mission Viejo. You're going to break out on the left and on the right. You're going to break out in revival. This church is going to fill up three, four, five services. You're going to outgrow it. You're going to have park events. You're going to lead a revival in Santa Fe. This church will lead prayer on the steps of the Capitol building. And you will dedicate the state and the city to Jesus Christ. I declare that this church is going to be an epicenter of revival for New Mexico and for this nation. Let me say it again. I declare by the Spirit of God on me that this church will be an epicenter of revival for this city, for this state, and for this nation. If you believe that, give God a mighty shout of praise. I said if you believe that, my God, my God, come on, come on, give God a mighty shout of praise. Hey, my God. As we, as we meet with the Lord today and He reveals things in your life that need to be cleansed, I want to say something about the coming week that you're going to experience. You're going to experience less accusation. You know, the word Satan means accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. He, that's his main job is when you falter or when you, when you make a mistake, he comes alongside you and you have a mission. You have something to accomplish this week and he whispers in your ear and he says, well, you did that last night. Well, you thought that last week, so you are in no place to do this or to do that. And I want you to know that as you have received this fresh cleansing, as, as you've confessed your sin and, and all these things that, that, that Brian talked about, the Lord says the accuser is on the sidelines now. The accuser has left the room. Amen? 
You are. You will be anointed this week. You will be anointed to do the work of God, but not just do the work of God with a lot of toil, but with ease. Amen. With power and with presence. I prophesy that as you go to work this Monday morning, this Tuesday afternoon, this Wednesday night, that you're going to feel the favor of the Lord as you go in. You're going to feel a boldness and a, and a spring in your step that says, oh, I'm here. And you have to leave. Amen. The devil has to leave. And when you come into a room, people that have been accused, people that have been confused, things will get clearer for them too. Because you bring the power and you bring the presence of God wherever you go. Amen. And in this room, in this room, there are statesmen. In this room, there are stateswomen. You are to represent the king wherever you go. I believe your pastors are state man and a state woman for God. Amen. I believe, I believe they are. That's what they, they are to us. And they're raising up statesmen in this church. They're raising you up to represent God wherever you go. And you go with your head held up high because your God is with you. Because His presence and His power, they go with you. Amen. So would you close your eyes with that feeling, with that, that knowledge that the accuser is no longer beside you whispering. And let me pray for you. Father, this morning I thank you for all the repentance, for all the searching that has taken place, for all the conviction that you brought into this place, Holy Spirit. Lord, we welcomed you and you came in and you clean house. And this morning we just pray for the accuser to walk out of our minds, to walk out of our hearts, Lord. We close the door on the accuser and we stand, like Brian said, by the blood of the Lamb, not by anything we've done, but by the blood of the Lamb that is able not just to forgive our sins, but to cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. Today, Father, we let go of all guilt and we let go of all shame. And we say, Lord, we will go into Santa Fe. We will go wherever it is that we go on Monday morning with the power and the presence of God. We give you the lust of our flesh. We give you the lust of our eyes. We give you the pride of our life. And we say, Jesus, come. And we say, Jesus, fill our hearts and fill our mouths and fill our eyes with a new perspective and with a new knowledge that we are valued by God and that we are his representatives here on earth. And we pray, Lord that the anointing will break the yoke wherever we go. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do something magnificent in our families, in our marriages, in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Give God a shout of praise. There, there's one more thing that I need to do. I have good news for you. Olive Garden is still going to be there in 10 minutes. I promise you, Olive Garden is not going to get raptured. It's going to be there. Los Cuates will still be there. If you got a roast in the oven, the, great, the God loves a burnt offering. Come on, somebody. It's pleasing in God's eyes. One more thing I got to do before we leave. If you're here today and you say, Brian, you know what? I've never invited Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you got baptized or confirmed as a baby in the Catholic church. Maybe you did your first communion and, 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 and uh, confirmation, but you've never had that personal relationship with Christ. And you say today, man, I want what you're talking about. I want a personal relationship with Christ. I want Christ to live inside my heart. I want to pray for you right now. Or if you're here and you say, Brian, you know what? 
I grew up in church. I used to know God. I used to walk with God, but, but I've been living in sin. I don't even know how it happened, but I just kind of drifted away from God. And I came to church this morning, and I'm convicted inside my heart. I know that I'm not living right, and I want to get right with God. I want to pray for you too. The Bible says that salvation is God's free gift to you. It's free. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't be, be good enough to deserve it. You can't be bad enough to not deserve it. It's for the good and the bad and the ugly. It's for everybody. The Bible says it's a free gift, but there's three things you got to do to claim it. Number one, you got to believe. Everybody say believe. Say, I believe. So you got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's it. I don't know what I believe about the rapture. doesn't matter. Do you believe Jesus is God? You get in. That's it. That's it. That's it. Number one, you got to believe. Say, I believe. Number two, you got to confess. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, you're going to be born again. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins to him, he'll be faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So number one, you got to believe. Everybody say, I believe. Number two, say, I confess. You got to confess to him and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need you. And number three, you got to repent. Everybody say, repent. Acts 3, 19 says, if you believe and you repent, you will be saved. Repentance means to turn away from your sin. To turn away and walk the other way. To say, I'm leaving my sin behind. I'm leaving my pride behind. I'm leaving my immorality behind. And I'm going to follow Jesus all the way. So you got to believe, you got to confess, you got to repent. Everyone, every eye closed, every eye closed. Just to give, I don't know who anybody is anyway, but just, just to give everybody privacy. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Brian, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. Or I want to rededicate my life. I want to get right with God today. I'm going to count to three. What I need right now is I need every believer to begin praying. If you pray in the Spirit, start praying in the Spirit right now. Come on, church. The Bible says there's multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. So right now, if you pray, come on, church. Let all my leaders pray. Come on. Let's pray them into the kingdom right now. Pray. Come on, pray out loud. Come on, come on, come on. I'm going to count to three if that's you. When I get to three, I want you to shoot your hand up high. Just lift it up right where you're at. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Come on, church. Here we go. One. Come on, come on. Here we go. Two. Hands are about to go up all across this room. Three. Right where you're at, lift up your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, lift up your hand high. Wave it at me so I can see. Come on. Anyone else? Anyone else? My God, there's over 20 hands have gone up. Anyone else? Every eye closed. Every eye closed. Anyone else? This is your moment. This is your chance. Don't let eternity slip by. This is your chance. Okay, everybody put your hands down. I want everybody to pray with me. Everybody say Jesus. Come on, say his name like you love him. Say Jesus. Come on, the only name under heaven, say Jesus. I believe. You are the Son of God, the only way to heaven. I believe. Come on, say, I believe. You died on a cross.
for my sins. But three days later, you rose from the dead and became the Savior of the world. Today, I confess my sins to you. Forgive me. Change me. Give me a new life. Live inside my heart forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on from the front to the back. My God, my God, my God, my God. The Bible says in Luke 15 that anytime one sinner gets right with God, there's a party in heaven. Man, there's 20 parties in heaven right now. There's 30 parties going on. Come on, come on, give Jesus a shout of praise. If you made that decision today, you made a decision to get saved or to rededicate, three things. Number one, start reading your Bible. You can download the free Bible up. You can get a Bible. Start reading the Bible every day. Number two, tell somebody. Call a grandma, an auntie, a cousin, a friend, and tell them today. I gave my life to Jesus. Number three, get water baptized. And they're going to be doing one in a few weeks. And so get water baptized. Amen. One more time. Come on, give God a mighty shout of praise.